Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start. On our bachelor. Bachelor. Hello. And welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelorette Australia podcast that asks the question. Oh, so that's what Mardi Gras is. <laughs> is that right? Is that right? You haven't. Is that what they do there? Good on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is this your first exposure, Max? I can't believe that. My name is Max Quinn. Figuring it out as they go is Xavier RN. Hi, Xavier. Hey, it looks scary. Too many people. Yeah. What's going on with all these colors? Oh, my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we got so much to break down from the one single episode that we saw of The Bachelorette this week. Season, question mark, Xavier? Seven? Se oh, yeah, season seven, yes. Episode, question mark, seven? Sure, yeah. Lucky seven. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got so much to break down, including Mardi Gras, and also, what else happened? <laughs> not, not that much, but I bet I know someone who has taken comprehensive notes, but they aren't the only person who will be sharing the space with us here on the BOH pod today. Maybe you know her as the overlord of the internet. Perhaps you are one of her legion of followers on TikTok. How else would I describe you? Friend of the pod springs to mind. Listeners, please say a great big yeah. Bachelor of Hearts. Hello to friend of the pod, Abby Butler. Hello. How you doing? Thank you. It feels like a really long time since I've been on the pod, but I mean to grant to be granted, I should say, the status of friend on the of the pod is a real honor. Abby, here's what happened. We recorded your episode like uh, at least a year ago, <laughs> more than a year ago. We were talking about Paradise mm -hmm. 2020. Mm -hmm. And the minute we stopped recording that episode, I said to Max, we have to have Abby back as soon as possible. <laughs> exactly. And you booked <laughs> On that day. That's right. right. We scheduled in. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we waited all this time for the perfect week in which there was only one episode and I didn't really like it very It really much. intersects all of my interests and passions, um, including mm. movies and Mardi Gras. Sure. Or a movie yeah. streaming service and Mardi Gras. One movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Uh, we're fucking so excited to have you back. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you. I'm very, very glad to be back. Seeing you guys on the Zoomy. It's great. Abby, give us the update. How How has your life traveled? If you could, I, I don't know, I want you to have as many sentences as you'd like to tell us how your life's been in the past year and a half. Okay, I shaved my head, I think, and bleached it. Fuck yeah! <laughs> I think that- It looks good! Thank you so much. I think that really sums 
everything up. Um, I moved a lot of houses. I lived in a cursed house. And now I live in a good house. I'm moving to another I'm house. I'm guessing you did all these things because <laughs> everything was going super well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I, I, I feel like right now I'm in a much more uh, settled place. And the chaos of this episode, it's going to uh, contrast with that. But I'm excited. You have entered the Zen Zone here on the BOH pod. If you would like to continue the conversation with us, the Bachelor of Hearts Osh Posting Group is the place to do it. We have so much to come, a Batch World catch-up, and a recap of one entire episode of The Bachelorette. But before we get there, Xavier, I know you have a question. Abby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a very important question for okay, you. I'm ready. How have you been feeling about this season of television? Okay. Well, I feel like. Do you like it? I feel like I should preface this with um, the following fact Brooke Burton follows me on Instagram. Yes. So I made a TikTok. Um, you might have heard of them. Shit. I made it right when the announce happened, and it was just like every gay in Australia preparing for Brooklyn to be <laughs> yes. Bachelorette. It was yes. v basic. Uh, but Brooke saw it. Brooke reposted it. Wow. Uh, and Brooke followed. So Wowie zowie. I feel like I've Huge been moment. watching as like a really um, proud friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I honestly, I feel like I've really been enjoying it i feel like from the first episode i've been waiting for the last four episodes do you know what i mean i feel like there were so Mm -hmm. many like Mm -hmm. clear front runners and so like a clear split between front runners and meth pack and i feel like we're getting to that exciting point and so i'm looking forward to them and so we brought you onto the pod just before the pod (laughs) i I, I think it's happening now i think it's happening now um but no i think it's been a very like not much drama per se has happened, but I'm kind mm-hmm. of glad because the cast is like, they all seem genuinely, besides maybe one person in mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. two, they all seem like genuinely <laughs> cool people who are quote unquote, therefore the right reasons. And so it's kind of nice right. to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of this season that the drama hasn't necessarily been um, artificially injected by the show but I think that what that is going to and wants to lead to is naturally more emphasis and bigger heartbreak when these things you know have to come to an end as the show comes to an end in in the coming weeks question mark Xavier do you know this is a big question mm. I don't know and uh, it might become clear over the next few days like whether we've got one or two or three weeks left to go um maybe we'll talk about it a bit more at the end of this episode when we've done our recap but it's like yeah next week hypothetically is uh hometown week and then after that it's kind of up in the air how many are left at this stage from the end of this episode how many have we got we've got eight left at the end of this episode which is too many so one would take home right so one would think that at least like, I mean, conventionally, you take four people to hometown. So mm. either we're going to see a real bloodbath this week or everything's just kind of off and up in the air. I think what happened this week when they aired one episode is very interesting. It's never happened before, as far as I can recall and as far as the history books go back. Uh, but like now we've been thrown off kilter and everything is uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm panicking. You're off your schedule. I, Look at you. Honestly, I have a spreadsheet where I keep track of... <laughs> I know more. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Well, I'm like, you know, we want to book this guest for this thing and all, you know, it's all, it's all, you know. Um, and then you booked me a year in advance. So I can't even imagine true. how right. this is thrown yeah. off. <laughs> right, right. And we did request them to only put one episode on TV for this, for this week, week. Because but, we thought uh, we want to sink, we want Abby to sink her teeth in. So it's all I can handle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't plan for what would happen next. We will have to wait and see. But before we get there, how about we talk about what's happening right now? And by right now, I mean in the like maybe like 10 days leading up to the release of this episode. <laughs> I don't know. In a segment we call Batch World Catch Up, story number one, social media superstar, podcaster, TV host, and Bachelor season seven runner up, Abby Chatfield, was spotted last week sharing a steamy kiss with a familiar-looking blonde-haired hunk at the Beach Hotel in Byron Bay. While the photographic evidence that surfaced online this week is group chat conspiracy theory temptingly unclear, there, the pervasive narrative is that the smoochie was none other than Bleach Blonde Carpenter and Bachelorette Season 7 model of non-toxic masculinity, Conrad B.N. Stevens. There is a little bit of space for interpretation. Friends of mine were rushing to compare photos of Conrad's ankle tattoos from his Instagram page with the grainy footage that is being shared by Daily Mail at Al. But the body language is certainly convincing. And uh, he's got a sort of cheeky smile. The height seems right, you know. Abby had also previously gushed about her crush on Conrad on her podcast, It's A Lot. And although Conrad is still a contender on Brooke's season, the episodes were obviously shot months ago, and the poor bastard is probably trying to fend off kisses from every woman in the country, <laughs> as well as a lot of the men. I think it's worth considering also that uh, there are reasons that a public pash like this would be well within both of their interests, regardless of maybe how genuine the like relationship prospects or whatever might be. Firstly, within the world of social media stardom, and I say this from experience, uh, no news is not news, you know? And, and uh, as proven by the show itself, combining your parasocial power with somebody else's is a surefire recipe for success. This is why the couples who end up together at the end of each season get so much, uh, you know, accolades. Well, accolades, not the word. But Followers. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to be a little extra verbose. We have more time this week. There's only one episode, so I'm really <laughs> digging my heels in. Okay, can I just say, I don't know if you've heard this update, but oh, but this is Wait. coming from the Shameless podcast. So uh, investigative journalism yeah. props to those girls. But yes. Abby had also gushed that she was seeing someone, I, I don't know the exact terminology, who uh, was a Gemini, and she was asking... Right her followers, whether a Gemini, Gemini, non-platonic, more than friends relationship was a thing. And this was days after they were spotted in Byron mm. and they did some digging and confirmed that Conrad is indeed a Gemini. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk about our famous tall Australian blondes. Okay. <laughs> sure. Shane Warne. Can Policy. we rule him out? Yeah. Can we rule him out? I don't think we can. He's got in the video, which I, I imagine you guys have probably both seen, or, or at least screenshots of it. Oh, he's got it. like a pretty good. You've, he's got a pretty good head of hair. 
Like he's got a bit of height to his hair, like Conrad does, or you would expect sort of wood. It's ble- you know, it's bleach blonde. Mm. It's like the right color. How's Warney doing up top these days? Uh, Warney, the ambassador of advanced hair, yeah, yeah, <gasps> is doing just fine. Thanks very much. Right, right. So a lot of stuff going on there. It's what about this one? Probably him. It's probably Shane Warne. Would also like mm-hmm. to throw out one of the Hemsworths. There's a few oh, of yeah. them. So, Byron statistically Bay. speaking, <laughs> it's more likely to be a Hemsworth than it is to be a, a Conrad. Conrad. <laughs> Roughly blonde. Right. No, uh, it does occur to me that we have a blonde Australian celebrity on the pod with us right now. I'd be about looking for more I. Oh my god, guys! Wow, I've never even heard of Byron, um, <laughs> and I'm getting flustered even just thinking about the possibility of. <laughs> um, but no, I think the Abby Abby thing would be just too confusing. Mm. Oh, that's true. You're right. Different it's spelling, like if you were to try to yeah. put a Gemini and a Gemini together, it just wouldn't work. <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> it simply can't. Have we zoomed yeah. in on the nails? Do we have a nail color match? Because I think that's quite a distinct that might be the giveaway. I, I was not able to spot them. The the footy, I get the footy. The footage I have to tell you is like truly so grainy and like darkly lit and like not from a telephone camera that they sell in this day and age. It's like <laughs> somebody specifically whipped out their fucking hip top so that they could take these photos. Or Can you imagine being that person who took that video? Like, what would you do first if that was you? Well, I mean, I would use it as exclusive content for my wonderful bachelor podcast, but you know. But you can hear the person filming it getting really excited. You can you can hear their voice being like, "Oh, I got it!" Oh, oh, oh. oh no! It's pretty great. I yeah. think it has to be him because, assuming that the person who took the video had been at the pub for a while, seen mm. them canoodling, I don't know if I would have the forethought to be like, "That person looks a bit like Conrad," so I'm going to take a video from this far away yeah. and do a little. How you going? I think. It's absolutely. Oh, that's impression, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Unless they're just like, I'm going to film whatever it is Abby Chatfield's <laughs> doing until she does something interesting. <laughs> and so with that, it's time to begin our descent as we climb into the submarine. Boom. Boom. I assume, you know, like the boom, like the little, mm-hmm. it's like a little boom, the like the radar bing. thing. And uh, we, uh, we're going really deep in, in the Oh, I see. Into the only episode that aired on television this week of anything. <laughs> that can't be right. The Bachelorette Australia Season 7, Episode 7. Uh, not to keep saying this every single week, but this episode had the lowest overnight ratings in Batchy history again. Uh, not great. Incidentally, this was also, not to spoil it, my least favorite episode of this season so far. So maybe Australian viewers have taste. Who knows? We open on the mansion where Luca and Jamie Lee have discovered a small gift box and something called a date card, which is this new thing that I think they've introduced to sort of help frame the episode and sort of set things up. I think it's smart. I haven't seen it before. Um, yeah, I I kind of think this is cool. Like Luca reads the word Millie from the date card, and then we cut directly to the date. And I'm like, <laughs> this is a good this is a good idea. I think they could have gone even further. Like, what if they added like let's say like a cryptic little clue? Oh, that, that would be sort cute, of wouldn't it? tips you off about like what the date might involve, and that would sort of like bring you into this romantic atmosphere. 
we rehash the Jamie Lee Kurt drama in a flashback as Jamie Lee hopes out loud that she gets a second single date here. We then also rehash the tiny amount of screen time that Millie has had. Uh, if you've forgotten, Millie is one of the intruders who joined the show in episode four. She has a very cool vibe. She has impeccable fashion sense, but she hasn't had a lot of screen time. Do you guys have like takes on Millie up top before we get into it? What do you remember of her leading into this date? Millie is a 22-year-old gym manager who says that her life is in order, and I want to believe her. That is mm -hmm. everything that I know about Millie. I Instagram stalked her. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I also had the same vibe when she came in. I was like, cool, a suit, which like, I don't know. I just mm -hmm. thought that was cool. And then I stalked her, and then I found that the type of gym, I don't know if I'm allowed to name the gym. Yeah, go right ahead. But Please, it's a very absolutely. popular brand of gym. Oh, good. Jim's mm. um, mowing. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and, so, and so her association with Schmeth Schmorty Schmive, which I <laughs> go to, oh. I want to put my hand up. But that, mm -hmm. the, oh. the trainers that I have experienced at Schmeth Schmorty Schmive are like so enthusiastic and like mm. so they're so present very encouraging but millie seems very chill so i'm like i wonder mm. if we're going to get that energy and i feel like i mean this is fast forwarding ahead a bit but the preview mm -hmm. for the next episode i was like here we go here we are yeah <laughs> i wonder if she just saves all of that juice for when she's out on the i want to say field it's a gym it's more of a gym situation uh i've been to a lot of gyms but, you know, like she's the rest of the time, she's like just chilling because she's preserving that energy. Last week that we speculated that Millie might make the top five, even though she hasn't really been in the show that much, because she was deemed trustworthy by Steve the Human Lie Detector. Okay, Steve Van Apparin theme song, take one. Murders, he salt them and crimes them too. He's a polygraph with a pulse. No longer a cop, but crime don't stop. He solves crimes of love and he gets results. When your facial expressions reveal microaggressions and you need someone you can trust. Did you blink the wrong way? Did you think the wrong say? Yeah, who's gonna separate love from lust? When enough is enough, you dial Steve Van Apparent. Human lie detector. It's pretty good. Brooke arrives to pick Millie up in a white stretch limo, which parks awkwardly halfway across the mansion's driveway, stopping just short of running over a flower bed. Pretty funny. You could have used any other car. <laughs> and Brooke ITMs that today's date is about dreams coming true as they approach a studio space, which has been made up as a winter wonderland. With around 15 undecorated Christmas trees, six rocks, I counted them, <laughs> and a whole bunch of fake snow, which is also being sprinkled upon them from above. And watching this back, I found that it was clearly snowing a little bit unevenly in different parts of the studio. So some shots look like the, there's a blizzard going on and some parts are pretty sparse, which is kind of funny. I, it made me think back to the photo shoot from Jimmy's season where he and Lily were having rain sprinkled on them by some dude on a ladder. Uh, Brooke has always wanted to see snow and wanted to do it with a partner. So this is a dream come true. This is the end of the dream coming true part of things, I guess. 
And when Millie asks Brooke, do you want to try and build a snowman? <laughs> we get what I consider to be a pretty subtle interpolation of the song from Frozen with this high piano part playing in 3-4 time as opposed to the Tracio, like, clave 4-4 part from the original. So instead of going, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, it's going, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And it's, like, it's good. Music theory. Well, thankfully, there has been one activity planned for them. Uh, Brooke in voiceover says, but when I picture this beautiful setting, I feel like in my head in the movies, it always has a beautiful backdrop. And so we cut to Brooke and Millie with paint rollers, literally just doing a mural of the Paramount logo. This was so funny. I didn't, it didn't click for me until I think I saw it on Twitter of like the screenshot mm. of comparing mm. it to the actual movie starting thing i fully it I, and i wonder if for other people it didn't click either and they were just like uh why are they painting are you telling me that this you know because i saw it instantly and you know they're like oh it's beautiful backdrop for a beautiful girl and then you know they're like staring up at it and marveling at it and being like this is so beautiful this logo which has appeared before such masterpieces as the Love Guru and Norbit and The Last Airbender and Elizabeth Town and Sonic the Hedgehog, etc. Uh, are you telling me you thought it was extremely subtle sponsored content? Extremely, extremely subtle sponsored, sponsored content, content products. So subtle that I had no idea it was happening, which maybe was so <laughs> subconscious that I it went into the depths mm. of my brain and. At what now I have a Paramount Plus subscription? How did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> uh, and then Brooke and Millie sit down on a batchy couch in front of a big screen TV, and Brooke says, "Got a little bit of a movie planned." <laughs> As she adds in ITM, I think to end this perfect day, I want to show Millie a more intimate side. I love snuggling up with my partner. You connect, you sit back, relax, and just enjoy each other's company. Really. Brooke says, this is one of my favorite movies as the iconic Paramount logo appears on screen. And I'm thinking, wonderful. This is great. I love movies. I love films. I love motion pictures. I love talkies. I can't wait for Brooke to put on one of my favorite Paramount movies like School of Rock or Event Horizon or Real Life or Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're going to go a little bit more obvious, but still classic. So like Titanic or like Roman Holiday or like maybe even Top Gun because we were talking about that last week. But no, the movie that Brooke has picked for this little Paramount Plus SponCon moment is 1978's Grease. And Brooke says, I just like the romance in it and the love story. Now, where do you guys stand on Grease? I hate it. It's boring and my brain doesn't like to sit still for that long and the title sequence is too long and also <laughs> isn't the love story like a bit cooked what metaphor are we meant to draw from that to like plop it into this bachelorette storyline right uh max have you seen have you seen grace unsurprisingly you know grace? no and i mm. believe that the woman dies in the end is that right i think what we like about the woman kind of dies the ah. the, the main thing that happens is like you know, we've got this like sweet girl who's played by Olivia Newton John yeah. who like 
essentially likes this dude and then the the like big ending is that she kind of changes everything about herself to impress him. Oh no. And she's like, now I'm cool and I'm a bad girl and I'm wearing leather pants and that kind of And then the car flies in the end. (laughs) Yeah. I mean that part rules. Uh but you know, this movie, I think like I think you know, people probably know about this movie. It's like a little bit slut shamey. It's a little bit racist. It's a little bit homophobic. Sure, whatever. The romance is a little bit questionable. But also the thing that I want to point out about this is this is a movie from fucking 1978. Brooke Blurton was born in 1996, I think. And the average age of the cast of this season is 28. And I feel like this season is primarily appealing to younger viewers, as we have surmised from the split between overnight ratings and people catching up on Templay. So, like, I want to give Brooke as much leeway as possible to like Grease and have an attachment to it and enjoy the songs and whatever. Um, but I'm just surprised that nobody at production was like, sorry, Brooke, like, Grease is all well and good, but we want you to put on... A TikTok compilation. Three hours. <laughs> you will laugh. Challenge. <laughs> extreme edition. <laughs> Classic vines that nobody remembers or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote like that in my notes. And then I was like, what are recent Paramount movies that like young people would like? And... I was like, fucking none of these make any sense. I'm like, uh, Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, uh, Gemini Man, Paw Patrol the movie. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Hell yeah. Hit those areas. really sets a romantic vibe. Yeah. But then I thought like, okay, what about like Clueless? Oh, or yeah. Or like, what about like Mean Girls? Even School oh, yeah. of Rock, I think, would be a more fun one. S- School of Rock would do Anything it. post, yeah. I'm going to say, ni- 90 six when she was born there you go yeah yeah or at least just like i don't think kids these days care about greece i don't know it's so old i've got to ask you both Maybe a question if you were given mm. if you're a producer right and and you're given the task okay organize this date it's got to be sponcon for paramount plus mm-hmm. you have to include the logo as many times as possible and you have to fit <laughs> it into the 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 uh context of it being a dream for brooke would at what stage would you get to the point where you paint a mural for one? And secondly, <laughs> what, what would you do? Like, how would you go about it? Okay, okay. Why wouldn't they just have it there to begin with? Why do they have to paint it? Because she also walks in good. and she's like, the one thing that would complete this perfectly is like, I, I, I imagine in my mind's eye, it would have a backdrop. I feel like that's almost her complaining that they just gave her this white, boring studio space. Literally, that is the point at which she, uh, a cord is supposed to dangle down from the sky. She is supposed to pull the cord and the backdrop backdrop reveals itself as yeah. this like beautiful aha moment for the audience and for Brooke and Millie. Instead, right. what happened was that we did some painting and then we put <laughs> we ourselves in to... another situation in which Brooke had to literally explain what cuddling was to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you do it. I mean, because Paramount Plus doesn't appeal to me that much, so I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know like how what the selling points it's are. It's got grace. It has. It's got grace. Weirdly, it has no old movies. Like where I subscribed to Paramount Plus for a couple of days and looked through it and was like, oh, this is this is nothing. I don't know. Like of all of the movies that are on Paramount Plus that are all like recent releases, like not just from Paramount Studios, but from all around the like 
it, it is a it is a big problem with streaming services that they don't have any like older content. Greece is probably the oldest thing on there. It's insane for them to go like this is the one that we want to put out in front and convince the twenty year old audience or whatever of this show to to get amongst. It's like they were meant to search the like all of the movies by like most popular, but then one of them fucked up and accidentally hit like oldest <laughs> to newest. Oldest. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, well, anyway, Millie says, I can't remember the last time that I've had that much fun with another person, which is really she's strange. She's a gym trainer. <laughs> like, I believe yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're right. It is funny that like, literally they brought them to a studio to shoot a commercial and that was the day. Like, that's literally all that happened. Like, there was some snow, which they then disregarded, and then they were like, paint a backdrop and then shoot a commercial. She got a little pash, at least. There you go. That was nice for her. Well, yes. Yes. Um, Brooke tells Millie she loves her confidence, and that's what she's looking for in the woman she wants to end up with. Millie says, I want something really serious, and you made yourself really clear about how seriously you take this, and it's attractive, but I just respect it so much, and that's what I want. Brooke retrieves a rose from behind the couch, offers it to Millie, and they kiss as the guy on top of the ladder pours another bucket of whatever, easy snow into the sprinkling machine. (laughs) Is there a vibe? I like both of them a lot. I want, like, you know, it's hard not to get caught up in just like, oh, these two, they haven't fun or whatever. But I'm just like, I don't know. It's at this point that I think that I've decided that I like Millie because she seems like she, as much as we were so want to make fun of like, I've got my life in order. And now I'm looking for the final piece of the puzzle, love at 20 years old or whatever she is. Instead, Mm. this is like, I think kind of nice. And I think that she might be a bit of an old soul who seems to have her things set for how she sees things and feels things in the moment. And I really like and respect that. I don't know if it's necessarily going to go anywhere. I don't think the show has gone to the extent of trying to show us that there will be sparks or Mm. necessarily even that there have been any so far. But overall, I guess guess I'm on the same page as you. I think Millie's nice. Mm. Yeah, I think I like Millie and I like Brooke, but I saw the entire date as like a business transaction level of chemistry. Mm. Like I was like... These are two very, very cool people hanging out. But when I was watching like EG, the Conrad date or even the Darva date or even like the Holly Mm. date, like I sort of measure it by, I watch Bachelorette with my girlfriend. And if we are like, ah, like just grabbing each other, (laughs) like, oh my God. Like, I feel like you have like a visceral reaction when you see that chemistry on screen. Whereas Mm, I was watching this date and I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the difference, isn't it? I had a visceral reaction, but it was just like, what is this? <laughs> this is the most like blatant product placement I've ever seen. Like it was so forced in. It was crazy. I I was speechless. I couldn't think of any funny posts. I was just like, I can't believe what I've seen. I think I was stumped. Like I think I think I was just like, usually you can sort of guess the trajectory of a date. I mean, mm. yeah. Like, yeah. Like, vaguely. This one, I was just like... The way they sprung the backdrop on you, like, they were like, oh, we're going to do some painting together. I'm like, oh, cute. It's turning into, like, an arts and crafts sort of date. Like, they built the snowman. Now they're painting something. They should have done, like, a painting on a a canvas or something like that. Would it have killed them? Do you know... Why is it a mural? (laughs) Like, it feels like they went... (laughs) It feels like the producers had, like, two options in front of them the whole time of being like, okay, we can go to... 
um, a park, or we can go to a sound studio that's built like a winter wonderland. And they went with that. And then it was like, okay, you can do a painting on a canvas or on the wall. And they picked the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's almost like, I wonder if they had something else planned out and then it like rained and they were like, oh, yeah, shit. fuck, what are we going to do? We do? We're going to roll them into Studio B and yeah. look, what are we doing with this wall anyway? We might as well ask them to paint the Last Supper on it. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is going to be blue tomorrow anyway, so they might as well do a blue mountain and then we can just paint over the rest of it, you know? All right, let's talk about this group date. Osher Ginsberg welcomes the entire cast to the Sydney Cricket Ground, which has historically been the home of Sydney's gay and lesbian Mardi Gras since all the way back in 2020. Let's talk a little bit about this. Let's talk a little bit about Mardi Gras. On the 24th of June, 1978, a small group of gay and lesbian people operating as the Gay Solidarity Group staged a day of events in Sydney. The intention was to promote gay and lesbian culture and to encourage political activism against the discrimination that they routinely experienced. The group organized a traditional march and public meeting in the morning and a street parade at night, and the violent police response to the parade brought national attention and helped to establish the parade as an annual event. That's your, like, bottled, you know, history of, you know, the first Mardi Gras. As the festival has ballooned in size and scale and as mainstream culture has gradually become more tolerant of the queer community the meaning behind Mardi Gras has changed a little bit I think um historically with diminishing discrimination of gay people and decreasing social stigma came the rise of an exploitable market of queer people with money uh, which brands opportunistically see as markets to be commodified it comes you to once a year I wrote some notes this time. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of myself here, but um, in recent years, Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras has felt a bit more of like an opportunity for some of Australia's biggest corporations and brands to like sort of attempt to ingratiate themselves towards queer folks than like a lot of, you know, at least on some level than, than uh, a, you know, a genuine attempt to celebrate queer people and communities or push boundaries or whatever. It, I mean, it, this is the biggest topic in the world. I don't know if we can necessarily get into it on our bachelor podcast. But uh, all of that aside, last year, purportedly as a, re as a reaction to the COVID outbreak, the traditional Mardi Gras parade on Oxford Street was cancelled. And in lieu of that event, which typically attracts around 250,000 people, a ticketed event was held at the Sydney Cricket Ground charging $20 to enter and thereby limiting access to a huge portion of the community. Uh, it, it was bad. I think, well, I mean, you know, people who went said it was nice. I think, you know, it was very divisive and um, organizers were saying it would be a once off this year. Uh, however, it was announced that in 2022, the event will go ahead at the SCG instead of Oxford street again. Um, because there is uncertainty about COVID and that sort of stuff, understandable, but also like objectionable kind of thing. It's like just kind of bad optics, I guess. Um, and, you know, tickets go on sale literally today as we record this, which I cynically believe is maybe the reason why we're seeing this date. Uh, I am preloading this with a lot of negativity. Like, but I, you know, like I, I truly believe that Brooke and the participants in this group date and the producer of this show have the best 
interest, like mm-hmm. have the best wishes and have their heart in the right place. But I, I could not shake the emotions that I had going into this and like the sort of stink of rainbow capitalism on this like commercial TV show. It's just a thing that I'm grappling with, with this whole season where it's like, we are sort of taking a step forward, but the step forward, it feels icky at times. And, you know, particularly when I realized that the tickets were on sale, like directly after this, I was like, it felt more like a celebration of the Mardi Gras event at the SCG by tickets now than of any like marginalized group or community. But it's just part of this thing that I'm being cautious about with this season where they have chosen to take on, you know, having a queer lead, having a a mixed gender cast. And, um, you know, it means that we have, like, it has to think through everything that it's doing a bit more than it usually would, which, you know, this show kind of exists on autopilot a lot of the time, so to speak, Jimmy Nicholson. Uh, so yeah, it's, I I I can't I can't get rid of that part of me, even though I'm also like, oh, it's fun. They're wearing cute outfits, you know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it really um, it really. I think anytime Mardi Gras is raised for for people in the queer community, it it sort of summons this like debate, and it summons immediately like your little yeah. sentence of your take on it, I guess. And like mm. I've always yeah. had such a complex relationship with Mardi Gras because I think like to add on to that history that you gave Zave, like 53 people were arrested in that first Mardi Gras, many of them like beaten and assaulted and all of their names were published in a national newspaper, like the next day Mm. and their occupations published. And like, of course I'm not expecting Osher to like come through and be like, and and here's all the awful stuff associated with this yeah. fun group date. Yeah. But like, right. yeah, I've always grappled with it because even for me, the first Mardi Gras that I went to, I wasn't out to anyone. And it was like mm. a big reason mm. why I ended up feeling confident enough to come out because I saw this entire community, but I could also kind of hide within the safety of being perceived as like a straight girl at Mardi Gras. Yeah. So like yeah. every time that argument as well comes up of being like, oh, these these friggin' hets at the at the gras. <laughs> I'm kind of like hets <laughs> at the gras. <laughs> <at> the gras. <laughs> um, which is how I would exactly describe uh Steve. Is exactly yes. how I describe yeah, Steve. And right, and right. and Kurt on this date is hets the gras. There's a couple real hats at the gras. There are, yeah. but every time I sort of see that debate pop up of being like, this should be a queer only space. I'm like, I do get it, but I also get that it can be a really, it, like Mardi Gras for a lot of people can be, this this group date could have been the first time that the, the concept of Mardi Gras was seen by some of the audience. And so mm-hmm. I yeah. look at it and I'm like, through my lens, this is awkward and cringy and a bit gross. And I mean, there's something else to be said about the glorification of the straight men as allies thing. We'll, we'll get there. We'll probably get to it. Which yeah, we'll yeah. get to, I'm sure. But I mean, just having a Mardi Gras on screen, ugh, yuck. Even part of me is like, is it gross to say it's radical in 2021? Maybe not. But I mean, I think it would be a big deal for a lot of people who don't have access to queer media in any other way. So yes, I, I totally agree that like we are a very certain slice of the audience of this show. Maybe a larger slice than like I would say queer people are probably a larger slice of the audience than usual for this season, but certainly this is a show that is being broadcast to 
anyone who chooses to tune into it around the country. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree that like this is going to mean so many different things to so many different people and the same way that Mardi Gras does. And it can be incredibly impactful and incredibly positive. And uh, I'm here for that. Um, yeah, but that isn't necessarily the way that I interpreted it directly after watching. Um, but yeah, you're so right. Like there's there's a lot going on here. Can I there's be just... the layman in this in this situation? Is that fine? Please. Like, yeah. I suppose when I was watching this, the question that I was asking myself is who is this for? And Mm -hmm. a lot of what I was reading on the internet was like, well, here's how, here's how it can be better. Uh, But something that strikes me is yeah, exactly as you say, Ab, maybe this is monumental for, for example, I have a, I have a queer cousin who's a teenager in Ballina, you know, and I I think about something like that in the context of, well, maybe his dad hasn't seen this before, or do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. maybe there the, there are those experiences that are what feel like insufficient steps to people who are more familiar with who are more familiar with the context and for whom it is more ingrained. But depending on whose lens we're looking at it through, maybe this is a small and and commercial enough. It's not for me to say step to that normalization, that radicalization that uh, you you were speaking about. I don't know. Does that where? How does that yeah. sit with you? It's tough because it's like you're sort of. It can be seen in so many ways, and I think one of the ways that bothers me is like the notion that queer people have to be palatable in order to be respected and yeah, or listened to and or yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. And it sucks because like it's true. Do you know what I mean? Like that's like just rooted in, in mm. what we're seeing, like even the cast of this season. And I know that like, yeah, Brooke has, has come out in, in saying that like she, the cast was selected based on like the type of people that she's into. So power to her. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's tough because on one hand you're looking at it. Yeah. Being like, even just mentioning Mardi Gras, even just seeing, two girls kiss is like huge for some people um but yeah then i'm like but uh, like where are we going from there like i feel like we've yeah. been sitting on we've been mm. simmering on that level for so long like mm. it's 2021 and the fact that only now we're having a queer bachelorette is like insane to me <laughs> yeah it's bonkers and so yeah i'm like i don't know i don't know i think that's that's how that's yeah. me setting it up <laughs> yeah yeah, I totally agree. And I, I, the the other thing it raises for me is like, um, it is if if it is very impactful for um whoever it might be who is seeing this and like it it is a big moment for them. Is this like ha- have have we compromised something in order to get there? You know, like is is there something like about how like uh, how am I phrasing this? The fact that this felt like an ad, like in a way or the fact that like i don't know I, I guess on some of it just kind of bums me out that this is the version of mardi gras that's being shown totally i think that's what i came back to was like my problem wasn't the fact that mardi gras is being used as the symbol of queerness in this season yeah because sure it's like recognizable. it makes sense it's digestible totally. it's the biggest like moment i guess on the like calendar but i think <laughs> it's like you know? the fact that i heard love is love i don't know 
84,000 times in this episode. And like yeah. the way that it was spoken about on such a surface level, I was like, I really mm. think that there was scope to go beyond it being about dancing and it being about not being hate crimed and it being about colorful wigs and it being about like, because if this is the only way that yeah. queerness is being represented, like the queer community, quote unquote, is being represented, that I think, yeah, they could have gone a little, a little deeper. Yeah, yeah. So to summarize, I, I think that what we've learned in processing this group therapy, hello, uh, mm. is firstly, yes, yes, you are compromising. And I believe it is up to, I suppose, each of us in our own, with our own personal lens and with the currency that we uh, get to decide compromise with, how much that is is worth to you. and. Mm what you are where where your lines are for forest and for trees you know or for um what you will sacrifice and what's important and how we get there moving forward now right the other thing is that if you're going to do it do it fucking well i think there are some really good moments in here that um we will talk about and there are also some really bad moments in here that we will talk about um so we should just talk about Let's what talk actually about happens it. um brooke itms it's really important to me finding a partner that supports mardi gras which I I think that is a crazy sentence. I don't want to like go line by line with everything, but I'm like, don't you want a partner who supports like queer people? Financially support is what she meant. <laughs> Tickets are now on sale. For <laughs> the sponsor of today's pod is. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, they would be mad. Um, but th- but then the next line she says is, even if they're a guy and we're in a heterosexual relationship, they still support me being part of the LGBTQI plus community. Which I think is super important, like to realize that you can be a queer person who is in a relationship with a straight person, and that doesn't like uh, compromise your identity or who you are or anything like that. Max, you look a little concerned. Yeah, I just have a question about. Maybe this is the wrong space. I don't know. Like, I, I'm what I'm what I'm getting at is, a, do you see Sex Education, um, the third season? And... It happened when I was on holiday. Um, Heather and Kessley from my class um, asked Mr. Dong if they could do it early and I was away um, <laughs> so I actually didn't but if you could explain it to yeah, me right now that would be really helpful I've got a PowerPoint let me just share my screen thank you. that'd be great Thank you. Yeah. 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 wow this yeah. is enlightening what's that doing there? transition <laughs> animation <laughs> we booked you a year ago so that you could explain this to me <laughs> we're scratching my head for a while mm. Um, so one of the characters is non-binary and they say to the male character, if we are to get into a relationship, I need you to accept that you will be in a queer relationship. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, if in saying Brooke uh, is saying that if she's in a heterosexual relationship with, she's if she's with a man or if she's in a queer relationship within a woman, like I'm I'm wondering about that, like, sphere of of queerness uh as someone who doesn't know uh and asking that question of well inherently then because they are in a relationship with brooke and brooke identifies as being queer doesn't queerness then become an important part of of their relationship also do you know what like is that a dumb question i don't i I don't know i don't think it's a dumb question i think somebody raised this to us on twitter this week and i do think it's one of these things that um at least as far as i'm concerned and i can't speak on behalf of anybody else um, but it is, it is about how you identify, you know, like, and you can define your relationship in whatever terms that work for that relationship yeah. and for the people yeah. in it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I also interpreted her quote there as saying, like, 
I it's important for my partner to respect my queer identity and I was sort of watching that and again it's this filter of us being from a very queer part of Sydney but I was like mm, isn't yeah. that a bare minimum like yeah sure of course yeah. yeah yeah and I suppose that's the framework from from which I'm asking I mean fuck I'm listening to the two of you talk about this this now and being like yeah of course you know what I mean like uh, the the bare minimum the baseline is not what we're here for and where I suppose asking whoever it is to step beyond. Even taking queerness out of the perspective altogether, if you're in a relationship with someone, you would want them to like have respect and support for all of the parts of your identity. Yeah, whatever your identity. No yeah. matter what they are. You, you know go. what I mean? Like go. it's the same as, as with anything else, you know? Yeah. So that's the reason that it's a bare minimum. But also I like that Brooke is providing that context to anybody who maybe doesn't understand it. Um, Osher Ginsberg is there and he introduces the group to Teresa, who is somebody who has marched in Mardi Gras for 17 years. Um, might've been an opportunity for like a person of color or like, I, you know, I can't just say this about everybody who was introduced onto the show, but I'm like, you know, we're talking about like pushing the envelope at all within this Mardi Gras date. Anyway, uh, Osher breaks the group into two and reveals that Sydney props have provided some random trash for them to make their own Mardi Gras floats. And they'll have to do some choreography and get dressed up and march around the oval. So Holly, David, Luca, Tej, and Kurt are team disco. And Holly absolutely takes the lead. Kurt praises her in an ITM for making it work like clockwork. Um, She has got some experience with choreography and we watch Brooke uh really appreciating her leading the pack and she says she loves seeing her in her element can i make a date edit sure okay i've put my producer cap on and as you were talking here's my date edit instead of having to decorate their own float they bring in four groups that traditionally march in the mardi gras yeah and and they get paired up group dynamics fun fun go mm-hmm. to each of the groups and they have to like help them to build a float. So then we get like little stories mm. from little sections of the community, a bit more of a yeah. of like what Mardi Gras is. Cause I felt like yeah. very much just bright colors and dancing. Yeah. Right. Right. But then you still get bright colors and dancing. I love that. Yeah, totally. Off. I wonder if it's almost just like, uh, is it, they didn't think of that. Is it like a COVID thing at this point when they're shooting it? Like they're like, we can't introduce too many other people. I don't know. Um, presumably this is just the lowest effort kind of solution um, that still sort of ticks some boxes for them or whatever, but you're totally right. That would be, that would be an incredible opportunity to just like broaden it out a little bit, you know? Uh, meanwhile, Will, Steve, Conrad, Millie, and Jamie Lee make up Team Rainbow. Steve says it's probably better that we got this one because it's got every color of the rainbow. So it's all inclusive, all colors of the rainbow. No one left out. And I'm like, great. I cannot wait to see Steve in the next episode. Also, like, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of colors of the rainbow that aren't really being included. Will, remember him? The guy? (laughs) Uh, Mustache guy. uh, Tallish guy. What, what do you say about Will? He is somehow the team captain. Uh, and he makes a comment about how his goal is just to float around and pop in whenever he's needed. Um, funnily enough, he's been fucking floating in the background since he was brought onto the show. 
don't know much about Will. I think I mentioned to Evie while we were watching it, more like won't. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Uh, Yeah, fucked him up. I feel like if it was like a craft beer festival. He would have. Oh my god! Yeah. He would have shone. Oh, he'd be a superstar. Yeah, <laughs> so you would have been like, just gonna float around, pop him where I'm needed. <laughs> and that's the exact vibe you want for that. Yeah, Will should have dyed his mustache. True, true. Did he? I can't remember. Did he do anything with it? Did he like put? He some had a bad wig. He had such a bad wig. Oh, my <laughs> oh that's god. right. I remember. Was it like purple? It was so maybe? flat. It was like a flat, Ugh. fringy bobby. Oh. Look, I was here for how bad all of these costumes were because I was like, that is some distilled, like, late night, like, outfit has been fucking ruined, like, Mardi Gras energy. Except you know what I mean? Holly's. And that's all I could marvel at. And Tej, actually. That's mm. all I could marvel at the entire time. I was like, if I was Millie or Jamie Lee, mainly if I was Jamie Lee, I would be so mad looking over at Holly and Tej <laughs> being like, how come you got the cool stuff? Yeah. Millie made it work, but Jamie Lee, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jamie Lee, she's the next person I want to talk about because she is like really keen to like hit the gas and stand out. And she's like, you know, maybe because of the drama, because of Kurt and Steve the Human Lie Detector last week. Okay. uh, Steve the Human Lie Detector uh, jingle take one. Steve the human lie detector. Steve the human lie detector. Human lie detector. Name Steve. He's the world's most human lie detector. He's a lie detector. His name is Steve. But who sports a huge orange afro as he portrays Queen Kiki with Brooke slotting in as king. In ITM, Conrad says, I've done a little bit of drag before, so I think I'm going to shine as Kiki Baby before throwing up double sharkers. The vibes coming off this man are truly impeccable. I'm so confused. Me too, and I love it. (laughs) Like, I was... was gobsmacked by this the fact that he's like yeah i've done drag before like he is so like comfortable but also he is giving out such like straight dude vibes with the double sharkers i don't know i don't know what to make make of it but i i kind of love it are you are you on board do we are we loving conrad we are in fact loving conrad from episode (laughs) one like the moment he walked out i went that's the winner which now i retract but i keep the energy like he was Mm. he's my winner um regardless of what the end result is i just think he is i think when i watch bachelorette at this stage i am not just looking at like who am i who who do i think is going to win i'm like oh my god which personalities are we going to still care about in like two years and i'm like him for sure from episode one, I was like, Tej is going to F, sh- F shish up on, on freaking Bachelor in Paradise. And you can take my word Abby, for you're, it. You're warmly mm-hmm. encouraged to swear gonna, if you want to, She's going to heck the frick up <laughs> <laughs> on Bachelor in Paradise. But that's what I feel like I look uh, through that lens when I'm watching. And he is like, 
the only the only issue that's like niggling in the back of my mind is that like he could be a um who's the guy that was like super charismatic on a season and he had and he was I- Irish British and then he had oh, Kieran, Kieran? Or, maybe Tim yeah because <sighs> he yeah. had that vibe where it was but like, we talked about a lot last time you were on the pod yeah because he was his his the cult of personality around him was just starting to crumble at that point in paradise exactly but I just I, I maybe it's you know naive but I'm like Conrad's different it's different this time I think he's different. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This famous last words, but I agree with you. I, know, I think he's that's different. The thing. I'm like, I'm putting so much onto this. It's happening again. I can't believe it. I think he's good. He's I got really the Abbey Chapter of good. approval. I've got to say, I do trust true. the Abbey Chapter of approval. That's true. That's true. She doesn't fuck around. Um, so everybody gets plastered with glitter and sequins and rhinestones and wigs. And uh, I, I guess maybe I should like get photos up. I can't remember exactly what everybody wore. There was some incredible stuff going on. There was some real garbage going on as well. Um, the rainbow group go first. And Conrad commentates in ITM saying, I want to see people smile and I want to be loud and I want to be proud as they all prance around the field pretty good he's really getting into it like you got to give him points for that um and then team disco are up next and holly handles the itms and all the music drops out as she breathlessly narrates i think one of the things that stood out for me today is having straight men as allies that's not always so out in the big wide world and to know that you've got people from outside the community supporting you it's really wonderful so let's talk about this for like the rest of the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, like on one level, I'm like, sure. Um, but on a lot of other levels, I'm like, why is this the focal point um, to me? You know? Yeah, I think that because I felt so mixed about Conrad in this episode um, because I think the the problem that I had with what Holly said and of course Holly has complete right to her own queer experience and and her views on it um but from my personal experience I think it was odd that the men bar Holly and sort of Jamie for uh, Jamie Lee for like dramatic purposes the men really took the focus in this episode and as we were saying earlier like any relationship that Brooke is in will be a queer relationship. Um, but presuming that these are all straight men, they seem to take up a lot of the time in this challenge and a lot of the focus and a lot of the praise, like mm. um, particularly with Conrad, I was like, yeah, good for you that your uh, pride and enthusiasm is manifesting in you being loud and confident and colorful. <laughs> but I was mm. kind of like, dude, this is sort of your chance to, hang back a bit mm-hmm. and of course they're all wanting to get that you know attention from Brooke and whatnot but I was like it would have been more realistic if they were like had the straight man in the stands with maybe like a box of eggs and then like the queer women <laughs> marched <laughs> and then like the men had to like throw it at them something like that <laughs> yeah. first of all this this was just interesting to me because we don't know what the sexualities of these men are true and up until this point it has not really seemed to matter that much um and that has been kind of good in the sense like i haven't really thought about it that much like 
apart from True. maybe moments where I'm like, oh, this is an out like this outfit that Conrad's wearing is like giving me huge bisexual vibes or whatever. Like apart from that sort of throwaway sort of thing, I'm not genuinely thinking about like, you know, the actual like all of the background of experiences that these people have had throughout their lives or whatever. And this scene pulls that into focus. And, you know, when she is saying, you know, uh, uh, stood out to me having straight men as allies, the camera sort of pans across all of the men that are like nearby, right? So we see David and Kurt and Luca while uh, Holly is saying this. But I'm like, now I'm wondering, like, is that just because they were there? Or like, does Holly know for sure that they're straight and we haven't addressed that? Obviously, nobody has to necessarily like address this. Mm. Like, but it has been fine that nobody has up until now. But now I'm like, is production like does production know this and they haven't told us? Like, are we choosing to pan across certain people for a reason or whatever? Like, if you want this to be part of the conversation, let, let's talk about it. Um, I'm also like, you know, are you a good straight ally? Like, let's talk about the bare minimum. Are you a good straight ally if you just do the thing that you get told to do on the Bachelorette group date, because that's what they're doing here is like not blatantly outing themselves as extremely homophobic in the middle of this like Mardi Gras decoration parade. Like, you know, all they are doing is not like kicking up a fuss and refusing to participate really. You know, they are, they're marching because that's what they have to do in the same way that like they might be afraid of heights, but they'll still fucking jump out of a plane or whatever most of the time uh i don't you know this is like what what are we actually rewarding here platitudes can, can i answer that is platitudes yeah. is that the right is that yeah the answer? i've you got another I mean? question <clears throat> sorry i just want to know is love love yeah that other that's, that's a yeah. good question yeah i think that's I worth would, discussing. i wish they would answer that yeah mm. yeah i just i i really don't want to be too negative about this i don't want to be the, like fun police um it 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 was frustrating to me that ostensibly this is a moment of celebration of queer community and identity and we get brought right back to earth by focusing it around straight men um in like if this is you know it's a limited time span that we're doing this stuff this is the first queer led season of this show with a mixed gender dating pool and it is still being like squeezed through the lens of like you know it, it all has to be uh in relation to straight men totally. and like that's that's the the lens that everything is is seen through and it's so boring i think as well it's just important to come back to the fact that it's a television show that's trying to get an audience and make money and maybe also sell tickets to Mardi Gras. And so every time I'm like, oh, credit where credit's due. And like, granted, I will give the show credit where I, from my perspective, think it's due. Like I think they dealt in the first episode really beautifully. You know, I'm a white person, but from my perspective, it seemed like her First Nations background was dealt with a whole heap of sensitivity. And I saw a lot of praise from, First Nations people about how that was portrayed. And so when it comes to this episode, I'm like, no, that sucked that they did that. <laughs> it straight yeah. up sucked. Yeah. And also the fact that they, I don't know whether Holly went into it and was like, producers, give me the mic. I got to say something. I got a thing to say. <laughs> or whether yeah, it was yeah. them that sort of pushed her to say that or whether it was a snippet that they grabbed or mm. who knows. Mm. I'm like, we don't need, like, it's th- like, 
they're not hate criming anyone and they haven't said a slur on camera. Like we get it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to like bold and underline that they are supportive. We see it. It always would have been more meaningful if one of them was like, oh, thank goodness none of them said a slur on camera and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's compromise, isn't it? You know, Mm. Uh, and it's, I suppose, similar, very similar to what we were talking about before with where you draw your line and who you consider this to be appropriate for and who the audience, uh, who the audience is. And in this case, uh, I don't think I, I don't, I think I'm the furthest thing from the audience. So I'm happy to just, no, you're, the, you're a big part of the audience. And in fact, what you do every day is invaluable as a straight man. Yeah. Like we can't, Thank you Facts. enough. Mm. I think this is the part of the mm-hmm, episode mm-hmm. where Zayn and mm. we did some preparation in advance. We had great, like great, a great, great. and it's called yeah, yeah, yeah. "Thanks, Thanks, Max, for being straight and for not hating us because we're not." Yeah, Max, play the jingle. You and- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm fucking writing a jingle. It's gonna be good. Thank you so much, Max, for being straight. And for not spearheading a campaign of hate And if you are specifically orchestrating a violent attack Thanks for doing it behind our back Thanks from every gra attendee To every single hat to do a hate crime yet unless you have in which case don't listen to the podcast here's the thing brooke seems really proud and happy in itm and i got the impression that this date meant a lot to her Mm -hmm. and to a lot of the people involved and like i don't want to rob them of that uh, and it meant a lot to me too as a straight man. <laughs> Great, yeah. You know, a- anybody who watched this and found it meaningful and inspiring and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, that's awesome. That's f- fantastic. I don't want to tell you that you're wrong for liking it, um, because I don't think you are. Um, it didn't um move the needle a whole lot for me, but um, you know, it is what it is. Um, I hope there's a straight date, a straight group date. <laughs> they go to State of Origin or something. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like just for equality, just to balance it out. It's Will in the background being like, and and the and the Lesos, they really, they really fucking got her out. He doesn't sound like he would talk like that, but <laughs> he gives me big uh, umpire slash referee energy. My girlfriend said, uh, and I and I put this on Twitter, and it went pretty well. And I didn't tell her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, <laughs> she said that. Those are the best tweets, by the way. <laughs> Robbed. Um, she said that man could be any one of the Rubens or Boy and Bear, and I wouldn't know it. Genius. Genius. Incredible. It's very true. And I've met a lot of those people. And it was Will. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was, he was, he's most of the people. He's very talented. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about this cocktail party. It is pretty bizarre to see people pretending to be at Mardi Gras kick-ons but nobody is on caps nobody is crying um I'm 99% sure that they're drinking actual wine instead of passion pop Mm -hmm. um it's quite funny um but at least Brooke has the good sense to wear a dress with a frankly (laughs) 
unbelievable for primetime slit down the side. Truly getting her bits out. Understanding the assignment. Needs a pay rise. She has looked phenomenal all season. Mm -hmm. Truly, truly. Week after week. Do you think with the outfits this week, they uh, were threatened with like consequences for removing parts of their costume? Because that's the vibe that I got. I was like, Jenny Lee, if you don't take off this wig right this second. Oh, can we talk about the wig? Oh, my. Can we? Oh, my God. Let me say this. I thought she looked nice. (laughs) No, you didn't. (laughs) Can you speak on that a little bit? I just thought what do you was, mean by nice? Oh, it was just fine, you know. She, I just thought she looked like she belonged in um some sort of star anime. Jamie sure. Lee already has the energy of a children's presenter, and it's oh. part of the reason why it makes me uncomfortable when she talks about intimacy, because she has preschool teacher <laughs> vibes. So with that wig, I was like, when are you going to teach me about n- numbers and letters? Brooke pulls Holly first because of her efforts to coordinate the disco team. Uh, which really stood out. And Brooke flicks Holly's hair out of her eyes and says, I really loved your energy today. I think you are really beautiful. I hope that you know that I always feel really reassured with you and you have the most beautiful intentions. I know what that is. So I have a little something for you. And she pulls out a rose and gives it to her. And Holly tells her, I'm all in for you. And they make out on the batchy couch for a while. It's a vibe. We love to see it. I thought this was nice. Uh, meanwhile, we have these dramatic, pulsing, rising strings as Jamie Lee is ITMing, I just want to clear my name, but she's still wearing this <laughs> fluoro fucking Party City Sailor Moon wig. It's incredible. She looks so silly. Uh, Jamie Lee gets her time with Brooke and gets right into it saying, I know at the last cocktail party, there were questions that you had revolving around my relationship with Ryan. I just wanted to clear the air. It is purely a friendship between Ryan and I. You have my word. You are my sole reason for being here. Um, I found this was an interesting moment that um, somebody pointed out in the Facebook group that there was a bit of a difference between the reaction that she seemed to give in the moment and then in her, well, this is confusing because I say ITM for the little voxy, but there, there was there was a bit of a difference between uh, the way that she talked to Jamie Lee and the way, you know, she didn't really seem that impressed to me. She says like, I get it, I get it. For me in my mind, that chapter is over between me and Ryan, but I'm trying to find out what is the chapter of me and Jamie Lee? What does that look like? But then we cut to her in an ITM and she's gushing and she's saying like, I think the fact that she's so open and honest and raw about it is just such a credit to who she is as a person. Uh, The truth is I still want to explore it with Jamie Lee. And I'm like so curious about how this happened, you know? Yeah. It feels like what is being shown to us with our eyes isn't matching what we're hearing with our ears. Hmm. And the reason that I'm curious about this is because what happens next is maybe the most producer influenced, like the most artificial, truly crazy moment. Jamie Lee produces out of nowhere this scrapbook and says, this is our story before showing photos taken of Brooke by production, which look like they're from the fucking, like get the outfit section of the template website. There's even a screenshot from the TV show of their first day at the Sydney Tower Eye. 
uh, all those many week ago. Uh, this was so nuts. It is so corny and fake. And she has the little the little souvenir as well. <laughs> yeah. I would have respected like... the wig if she pulled the book out of the wig. Oh, but she oh. did it. Damn That's it. true. That's true. Yeah. I've been keeping something said. here for you. That's good. <laughs> this is bizarre and weird and perfectly fit into this bizarre and weird episode. <laughs> yeah. I so agree with you when you're talking about um, the differences in reactions because I feel like sometimes I'll look at Brooke and I'll be like, oh, she's not impressed. She's unhappy. She mm. looks stern and she looks mad. And then she'll come out and be like, and I was so happy in that moment. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? And this was the happiest moment Or even moment in that moment, life. like, she'll just look so, I don't know if it's, like, intensity. I think it might have happened a few times on the Kurt date when mm. I was like, oh, she doesn't want to be there. She's not, mm. she doesn't, she's going to, she's, he's gone. He's gone. And then she'd say something being like, I just wanted to kiss him. I'm like, why am I seeing fury <laughs> right, right. in your eyes? <laughs> right. You know, we're, we're seeing stoicism. I suppose it's just the danger of judging a brook by its cover. <laughs> oh, man, alive. Oh, hit me like a left hook. Or a brook, maybe. Uh, yours is better. Sorry. It was uh, good. It was good. She turns to the next page of this book and it begins to read. And this is the part that really seems to affect her. Um, she reads out uh, this next part, which uh, goes, I had feelings for Eleanor that <laughs> I actually never felt for anyone in my life. Keep going. She gave uh, me butterflies every morning when I saw her. I'd be talking to her and I would be busting to go to the toilet and I would rather piss my pants and sit there and talk to her than go to the toilet. And I would just hang on and hang on and hang on because I didn't want to leave her. <laughs> Brooke finds this to be a very meaningful gesture. And, you know, sure. <laughs> Who am I to blame her? Uh, Jamie Lee says, you're very important to me. And I know what you're here for. Just know that I'm here for the same thing. They hug. And then Brooke ITMs, she's won me over. And I'm like, did she actually? Or like, did production win you over? Like with this storybook thing? And then asking you to pretend it went better so that Jamie Lee's going to stick around. I don't, I don't want to conspiracize too. Well, actually, I, that's mainly what I do on this podcast. Also, do you want to be with someone who's won you over? Yeah, totally. Mm. I'm like, you're starting at a loss there, bud. What was that? I feel like, Max, you you found a good tweet this week about this. Oh, yes. Now, let me find that. And I want to give credit to the person because as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. This is Twitter user Melissa Blackwood, who is at Lil Miss Mel. She says, Jamie Lee is trying too hard to convince Brooke of her innocence. Brooke says she believes her, but I'm not convinced. If they were in the real world, Jamie Lee would be preparing a three-course meal to clear up a misunderstanding. Too much work. Mm. isn't that right totally agree i was like yeah the way even she went about it in that first conversation and obviously you would be confused and really trying to like grapple at the fact that you know i didn't need to tell you anything because there was nothing happening but i was also like brooke is brooke appears to have the level of emotional maturity where she would get that like and she's yeah. also been mm. in the show before so i feel like twice came through was like this is what's happened i think it's a misunderstanding but i understand from your background of romantic relationships that this could be an issue for you but i just want to clear this up but instead mm. it really 
felt like she'd done something wrong. Yeah. And I was mm, like, yeah. girl, you love it. It's okay. And the yeah. audience as well, like looking on on socials, it seems like the audience get that she didn't do anything wrong either. So yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I want to shout out to Stella and Bridget in the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group who were talking about this a little bit. Stella says that she was really rooting for Jamie Lee after it felt like she got done so dirty by the Ryan scandal last week, but her redemption arc this episode felt really cringe. And then Bridget goes on to say, look, she felt like that Brooke's response to Jamie Lee was so like, I'm not believing you in the moment, but then was gushing over her. And that, uh, I suppose, is exactly what we're speaking about here. I'm I'm only speaking about it because I saw that comment and then went back and looked again Mm, mm. because that was so spot on with like this weird, you know, tonal imbalance or whatever. Um. If we're reading good things that we saw online, yeah. I just want to shout out my favorite tweet of the week, which is from our, our close, I'm going to say friend of the pod, past and future guest, Katie Kendall, um, at Batchy Bitching, who posted a screenshot of the Paramount backdrop date. Uh, and the tweet was, this blatant of product placement in the middle of something that's meant to feel sincere feels correct for an episode that's about Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just like, <laughs> okay, that's really the core of it. Uh, all right, let's talk about the cocktail party. Everybody is still wearing their Mardi Gras outfits. I think with the amount of glitter going around, they will probably still be wearing them next episode as well. <laughs> I'm kind of curious about like how much of this stuff is just going to be the rest of the season. And the wig stays on. <laughs> and I swear, if you take it off, Jamie Lee, we're going to say that you canoodled with, with Steve. <laughs> I wonder if we will see glitter in the mansion like next year. Like, can they possibly do a deep enough clean? Uh, totally underdressed, <laughs> in my opinion. The idea, sorry. The idea that the two things that you deep clean for are coronavirus and glitter. <laughs> Just as dangerous. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Don't inhale either. Mm. Yeah. We encourage all our listeners to get vaccinated against glitter uh, if they have not already. <laughs> totally underdressed, in my opinion, is Osha Ginsburg who in a printed purple suit jacket and leopard print tie seems very out of place. Like, just not enough. Crazy. Uh, Somebody sprinkle some glitter on this man. Uh, Osha ominously whispers that Millie and Holly are safe, but two people will be sent home. And I found the Rose Order very interesting this week. Now, obviously, two of the remaining women already have roses, but I was still feeling pretty cynical about how the Mardi Gras group date was used to create a spotlight for all the incredible tireless work that straight men do. So to hear Brooke rattle off the names in this order, David, Luca, Conrad, Kurt, Will, and then Jamie Lee. I don't know, man. It's like, look here, you know, the first two roses went to women. Wonderful. There's only one other woman. So naturally, we're going to have a bit of this, like this kind of how it goes when there's more dudes than women left. But it so hit me the wrong way. Can I just be the TV producer in this instance and say that Jamie Lee was unfortunately the person who all the drama was centered around. So in order for them to complete their narrative arc, she had to be the person at the end is the gross TV answer that I would give. But I don't think it needs to be that way at all. But do we really I agree with think- you, but they don't bother with that drama most of the time. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Did we think that she was going home at all like because in my head I was like this has been resolved enough it's been resolved 60 to 70 percent 
so that she's not going home. But like, can we bleed it a little more? Can we squeeze uh, a little more out of it? That was weird. We shouldn't have. Yeah. Just hit me the wrong way. And like, you know, I posted about that on Twitter and then somebody was like, well, look, how do you know that all of those men are straight? Like, you know, you know, you, you know you're, you're drawing a equivalence there. And I'm like, no, the show has created that equivalence. I don't know that they're straight, but you have panned over a lot of them while talking about the importance of straight people. Uh, that it's not a, it's not a big jump. Anyway, it's farewell to Steve Pliatikas, the 29-year-old podiatrist who has really been afloat of this season. Uh, he made the mistake of having the same name as Steve the Human Lie Detector, and that's really about all we ever got from him. This week, Steve amassed just 96 more Instagram followers, bringing his total gains up to 805, fewer than anybody else this season. On the plus side, he now boasts a whopping 15 posts up from one when the season began. So, you know, those numbers are going up. He's pure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, not a bad word to say about Steve. Not many words to say about Steve. Rock and board. There's two. There you go. Steve, good on you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Foot guy, but never made it weird. (laughs) And this would be the episode (laughs) to do so. so. (laughs) Yeah. Although maybe he did, and that's why he sent home. <laughs> I don't know. And then we have Tej. Tej gave me nothing but good vibes since night one, where she helped Conrad make his little DIY love seat more comfortable. And as the third Indigenous woman in the franchise's history in Australia, Tej entered the show with a big responsibility on her shoulders, and in my eyes, did an incredible job at showing that. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities have all sorts of different faces. Regrettably, though, it seems like her face and her race was basically all the show was interested in showing. Um, And that one shot of her smacking her neck in the (laughs) (laughs) go-kart. Her face, her neck, and uh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I just, I found Tasia's edit really dispiriting. Um, there have been at least three occasions uh, within the show where Tej has directly referenced that she is a proud First Nations woman. Um, on night one, Tej greeted Brooke in Wiradjuri language, but beneath, sorry, beyond these moments of direct surface level representation, there was absolutely no effort made to meaningfully portray her as a three-dimensional human being at all. It felt to me and this is conjecture, um, but the powers that be were really happy to use Tej to tick a box and score some points for casting her, but were not interested at all beyond that. And, you know, it's tricky because this, like, background edit, this, like, floater, you know, uh, personality type or whatever, it's the same thing that happens to everybody who doesn't make it that far on this show, right? Like, Abby... You were talking about this at the very start of our episode. Where we were like, there is a clear delineation between like the people who you actually think stand a chance and the people who are kind of just there. Mm. But instead of being like, you know, the guy who did a rap on night one or, you know, the woman who did a little in-flight safety demonstration, the producers decided that Tasia's whole thing was her cultural background. And that sucks. I totally misread her arc at the very beginning because when I sort of gauged by maybe like episode two or three that she wasn't going to be a front runner 
I was fully convinced that she was going to hook up with someone else in the mansion. I was like, she's cool. She's pretty. She seems really mm. charismatic. I feel like mm. her and Steve or her and uh, Beck or like just any of them. Are gonna, like she seems so cool. Yeah. And so I was like, mm, oh, yeah. it's going to be her. Totally. And then yeah. it just seemed like. And especially because she wasn't getting very much attention seemingly from Brooke or, or you know, it's like, well, what she's supposed to do. I was like, you why know? are we keeping her here? And then she just got eliminated. And as I said at the beginning of the episode, she's going to heck freak up on Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Team Tej. Yeah, I love Tej this season. Um, I'm really sad that the only that, that the small amounts of, of Tej that we got were not really focused on developing her personality much beyond, you know, getting her to say proud First Nations woman, you know, not quite as many yeah. times as we got to hear that love is love on this episode, but <laughs> you know, yeah. we're we're yeah. marching to a similar beat. Similar vibe. Yeah. Um Brooke walks Tej out and Tej holds her crying and says, you're an amazing woman. And I could not be happier as another First Nations woman to have someone repping. Little bit of salt in the wound here. And I don't, it's, I, I, I'm annoyed that I'm, you know, getting caught up on this. The, the show has added some captions because the mic is covered by their hug and there's a typo <laughs> and there's a typo in the phrase First Nations. Oh, no. Don't have a typo there. No. You don't want... That's the last place. Like, truly... What do they there's type? Not, there's not... Wrong. They put an apostrophe in there. Okay. There's not meant to be an apostrophe in there. Yeah, because otherwise it becomes possessive, which is the whole problem within itself, as in the nation right. owns the first. Right. Nope. Yeah, it's... I, I, you know, I, I, of all the words don't that you don't like want to make possessive for like nations. Yeah. I don't want to be a stickler where it's like, hmm, I hope that intern uh, goes home without a paycheck next week or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, but because I'm sure it's an honest mistake. I'm, but it, but it is also just like, if if whoever that person was who wrote those captions was a First Nations person or like if there was more oversight or. You know, and it seems like they have really tried to do their due diligence in a lot of other ways, yada yada. But I'm just like, uh, mm. that's uh, the the symbolism that's there not is not, not incredible. You know, were you both surprised that Tej got the walkout? Because I yes. was, and was that the first walkout like accompaniment from Brooke that we've had? Did Carissa get that potentially? But um, I don't think we've seen that yet. There was somebody last week who got to speak in the limo out, but I don't remember if. Was that Ryan? Oh, yeah, but I think it was like a reflection on the Jamie. Lee. Yeah, like, it was him. For her? Oh, he spoke mm -hmm. to a producer. Mm. He There was a producer who was like, do you think you could be friends with Jamie Lee on the outside? Yeah. But yeah, I think that is the first person that Brooke has bothered to walk out. And I imagine that's what we're going to see from here on. With like fucking Will, do you think? <laughs> I think he's going to slowly disintegrate. Like they'll just lower his opacity. And like, oh, there's now four of them. It's crazy to think that Will is there. Will Imagine Will is getting to hometowns. We are not far away from that as an outcome. Oh, it's no chance. Um, so this week in Instagram games, our lead, Brooke Burton, continues to gradually rack up followers. However, the numbers are re reliably getting a little bit smaller each week. Um, I don't know. I don't think that is directly affected by anything that's actually happening on screen. As far as I can tell, I feel like that's kind of just the nature of these things. Um, that tends to happen with the lead. Um, 
This week, get, uh, Brooke gained 2,346 new followers for an overall gain of 29,096 since preseason. Yes, babes. Bringing her grand total to 272,373. Um, at this point, I'm thinking it's time to adjust the goalposts. Um, I mentioned a few episodes ago that I was hoping to see if she would topple the honey badger um, as like some kind of ultimate revenge. Not just she needs revenge or whatever, but just like, you know, some kind of full circle. Now, I think it would just be nice to see her hit 300K, which I feel, feel like will probably happen like in the last episode. Um, just behind Brooke in gains this week was the unstoppable social media powerhouse that is Conrad B.N. Stevens who tops the contestant gains for the fourth week in a row. That's every week, by the way, uh, with 2,104 new followers. I would strongly argue that the Queen Kiki stuff, which was his only real appearance on the show this week, had very little to do with it. Interesting. And I believe that the rumors swirling around his off-screen activities with Abby Chatfield who's very actively engaged parasocial audience of 346,932-odd followers on Instagram must surely have some overlap with these new people checking out Conrad, One million percent. I think that the fact that this conversation as well has happened predominantly on TikTok, on podcasts like Shameless, with an audience Mm. who want to get those updates and get those clues where they can from do the digging themselves exactly. yeah. even though his instagram is so innocuous as is the entire cast <laughs> right whatever dumb stuff is in their bio um but i think yeah that the kiki stuff i feel like people who would have enjoyed the kiki stuff are already following him for that reason yes yeah i agree yeah um and you can also tell from how much smaller the numbers that everybody else is getting are uh, trailing behind Conrad this week is Jamie Lee Days, who's expert scrapbooking and status as clear producer favorite this season. I've just thrown that in here as a bit of speculation, but I feel like that's true. The fact that she's narrating like everything that happens, she is the voiceover in all of the rose ceremonies and stuff. Um, anyway, uh, that that has earned her another 916 followers this week. And then making her first entrance into the top three this week is backdrop painting, snowman dressing, Greece at least tolerating, Sydney gym manager Millie Rubio, who gained 689 new followers this week. She got the single date. It makes sense. Can I ask a question about the, the numbers? Please. Do you think that people are uh, following these accounts less so because they're being managed by that third party during the show and do you think that these numbers are going to ramp up as soon as they get their accounts back like does that like because that I think the reason why I think I only follow Brooke and Conrad is because I'm obsessed with Conrad and everything he does and I think he's amazing Mm. and obviously Mm. Brooke seems to have a lot more control over her socials but the other ones I'm just like oh this content sucks and I would just yeah and if I wanted to see like promo pics with a watermark yeah fully yeah I don't know why people are following these accounts at all. And and the numbers are massively, massively down in, in social media um, engagement and uh, people following them uh, as compared to what they used to be, which is funny because we only really started, I only really started tracking them in a detailed way when this came into effect. I'm curious as to the long-term effects of this, um, of, of this like social media uh, rule in the sense that 
I don't think, you know, it takes a couple of weeks for people to get their account back after they're off the show. I don't know if people are going back to the well that much, you know? Like this week, I think it was uh, Beck and mm, who else? I can't remember who else got their account this Ritu? week. Um, was it that? that show? Yeah, yeah. Beck and Ritu and maybe like Matt or whatever. Um, Jess, who apparently was on the show. Was that week? Who's I'm Matt? looking at my chart. Matt, oh, the Hotia, the rap guy, With the rap god. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. Um, but like those people are not experiencing big gains uh, in in getting their accounts back because there's nothing directing you back to them. Right. At that point, if you if you like, the only reason you would follow someone is so that you remember in two weeks' time that you're allowed to be following. Totally. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. it's so interesting because like. I mean, I dipped my toe into the Matt Agnew season, but it was when Abby Chatfield was like live reacting to the episodes towards the end and like giving that commentary. Yeah. That I was like, oh my God, this is a real person having a real reaction. Yeah. Like, let's tap into this. Whereas it's just like, it's like you're following, you know, when, you know, when cool new TV dramas will make, like social media accounts for their characters, their fictional characters. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like that's what mm. it feels like. And I'm yeah. not into it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like having the ability to jump on immediately and see what that person is like in their sort of curated online space or whatever, that makes all of it so much more engaging in, you know, the way that it used to be, the way that you could go and see what Abby Chatfield, like, I don't know if we will have another Abby Chatfield. You see big Instagram followings come out of the winners of the of the show because they get their account back straight away. And so you can go straight from watching their scene on, you know, where they proclaim love and then you can go and look at them and then that's the next chapter straight away. But having that buffer, having that couple of weeks gap, you're just naturally not going to be interested. You're going to mm-hmm. move on to something else. I think what Abby said just a minute ago hit me the hardest, which was this content You didn't sucks. like what I said? I like what you well, yeah. said, but that, <laughs> to paraphrase, uh, is kind of the heart of it, right? Like if yeah, the content totally that was right. being posted from these accounts was still good, mm. was still a reflection mm. of what these people might be or feel like, fantastic, cool, I'm in on that journey and I'm willing to suspend my disbelief that this account is being managed by a third party. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but this is like, it pulls you entirely out of that experience. And instead we're having these weird captions that it, like you can feel someone's labor, which when you are building a brand and when you are building a brand voice is the thing that you never, ever, ever want. What they need to do is send somebody into the mansion who is really up on like what the trending song on TikTok is, like whatever the new fucking thing is. (laughs) Yeah. And like get them to participate in a topical and relevant way with what's going on outside the mansion. Not like, you know, so much so that it breaks the immersion or whatever that they're trying to create, but like so that there is content that people will care about. They need somebody who is like actually a social media person, somebody who pays attention, somebody who gets it. Abby Butler. Thanks so much. Um, my resume is... <laughs> oh, well, two things I was going to say were the first is it seems like it's only restricted to Instagram because I yes. got a TikTok served mm. up to me today from, I think her name is Jess, the chair mm. stealer. And it was like pretty innocuous. Yeah. It was like nothing saucy. It was just like 
sort of her different clips of her um with a sound in the background but I was like interesting and I've also seen um obviously the content from Rutu's sister talking sort Mm -hmm. of on behalf of her sister about um the experience that she had and the second thing I was going to say was that I don't know if you've seen the the whispers about whether Carissa um and Beck are potentially into each other seeing one another Mm. there's been some like mutual uh posts that are obviously not posted from them and we obviously don't know how much control Mm. they have over those posts but there was one of you know Mm. on each of their accounts of each of them saying how much they loved one another and how incredible the other person was um and so i was like i wonder if this could also be used as if the producers will use these accounts as like a tool to craft narratives or sort of yeah. uh, tease mm. those, like use them for good in a gross, dramatic way. Yeah, well, it's so interesting to hear you say that because that was a speculation that I maybe had when they first announced this was like, they are taking control of the social media and that will be used like as a narrative tool of the show. So like they will make someone that they want to make look like the villain, like post bad shit that mm. seems bad online. Or like if they want someone to be like, a little bit loopy, like, you know, whoever it is, like the, you know, the person they play the xylophone music for, will they put like really stupid filters on everything and like try and make that person seem like they're the Instagram equivalent of the fool that is on the show. You know what I mean? And yeah. we haven't seen them do that. Like they have, they've really flattened things out um, and tried to make everybody's content about exactly the same, you know, basically as like each other as possible. Um, yeah, which maybe no is voice. to the benefit. Yeah, it it's maybe to the benefit of like you know reducing like bullying or whatever, which, which I know they used as like an excuse for why they were doing this. Mm. But I don't, I don't really believe that that's the reason they're doing it. I want to bully them more, and I think because of <laughs> <laughs> anything. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. they need to have a voice, uh, and uh, particularly in a season like this, how powerful would it be to hear the voices of these people in right. their own words? Yeah, because anything that you do see posted on these social media accounts while they're under the power of a third party, you just can't take it. Like it's it, it does, it loses its meaning. Mm. You know, mm. even if even because we don't actually know. It would be great to talk to somebody who has been on the show in the last year or whatever um and and get a better understanding of what exactly the process is like do they get to draft something up with a producer do they get to hand something off to a producer that gets approved do they you know like they open no, up a we... big scrapbook does something happen in there <laughs> um yeah i don't know further research needs to be done but it's just like it feels like such a different era you know yeah and because social media and this show are so intertwined I think it matters a lot the way that they choose to handle this stuff. Topping the gains since preseason is, of course, still Conrad BN Stevens, clocking in at 10,450 new followers since preseason for a total of 11,278. So that's like almost all of his followers are from this. And like that will be his life. Uh, I feel like 10K is not a life changing number of followers, but it's, you know, it's a pretty big deal. Good for him. Um, in second place overall is Jamie Lee Days with 4,165 new followers for a total of 7,652. And re-entering the overall top three with 657 new followers this week is Holly Langford, 
who has racked up 3,316 followers since preseason for a total of 5,230. Listeners, that does bring us to the end of another episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Abby Butler, thank you so much for being here. We spoke for so long and I'm so happy about it. Imagine if there was another episode. Oh my God. Can you uh, tell us where we can find you on the internet? Of course. Um, Instagram at Abs Butler, A-B-B-Z. I actually manage my own account. And There you go. Wow. Must be nice. <laughs> if you want to be like Brooke Blurton, drop her a follow. That's it. And Flabby Butler on the talk. Incredible TikTok content. Incredible Instagram content. Incredible human being content. Stop it. <laughs> Incredible friend of the pod, Abby Butler. Thank you yeah, so much for being here. We love here. you, Abby. Thank you so much for coming. Bye. Well, Xavi. Well, Maxie. Ah, uh, look, another episode of the Glorious Bachelor of Hearts podcast in the books. Probably the best podcast that I currently host. Yeah. You, do you know what? Uh, same. Yeah. I, w- I would have to say it's my favorite of your current podcasts. <laughs> I like your other podcasts, but you haven't done an episode in a little while. That's true. So we've been, yeah, we've yeah. been a hot minute. Um, yeah, look, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here. If you want to continue the conversation with us, the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook is one of the many places that you can do so. That's where we kind of hang out. Take your thoughts, take your questions. There are some people who have been on the show before in there. They talk sometimes as well. Look, we uh, mm-hmm. we love having that little space. And send us your jingles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's send a great us your one. jingles. If you got any jingles, I'm serious. Have you got any? Okay. How are we going to get them to? What is the email? So we didn't. We we talked about this on the podcast last week. If you missed it, we want to play fan submitted jingles on our finale episode. So far, we have received zero. <laughs> I, am I meant to give that away? I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, please write something. It can be the scrappiest little voice memo. It can be something you hum into your iPhone microphone, um, or you can lushly produce something if you're so inclined. Um, we love you. We want to hear from you. Please send it to bohpod at gmail um in whatever form uh makes the most sense to you uh we can't wait to hear it um i I can already tell our finale episode is going to be really long (laughs) and i can't wait um we've got some good apps coming up and i want to shout out quickly to the zave heads (laughs) and to max nation we love you very much thanks so much for joining us um take care of yourselves uh take your medicine if you need to uh, if you don't need to, don't, don't you don't need to. You don't have don't to do if you don't, don't want worry to. About it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, overall, really, the main thrust of what we'd like to get down to here at the end of the day and uh, at the end of the podcast episode, uh, what it all really boils down to is, uh, as a matter of fact, we love you, listeners. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>